Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. It's time for TMA Extra Dose. You can follow along on Twitter, at Slam Radio XM. Now, TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And now, Cook can just dribble it out. And J.R. Smith already shirtless. <laughs> Final seconds here in this NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Yes, that was the voice of Mike Breen from ABC ESPN from the Lakers in Heat Game 6 as the Lakers are the new NBA world champions for 2020. They raised the 17th banner. We'll talk a little bit more about the Lakers and the Heat Game 6. What happens with LeBron? What is LeBron's legacy? What happens with AD in the offseason? Will he return back to Los Angeles? Also, we're getting into some really, really tragic news when it comes to the world of the NFL, Dak Prescott, if you watched on Sunday, uh, that was just a really gruesome injury. Uh, he's scheduled to be out four to six months. We'll get into that. And what is the future for Dak Prescott and what happens with the Dallas Cowboys? Also, the NLCS is finally upon us. The Dodgers take on the Atlanta Braves in the MLB bubble down there in Texas at Global Life Stadium. So we'll get into game one. As far as that goes, we'll get you ready for game two as Clayton Kershaw takes the mound tonight uh, against the Atlanta Braves. All that and more here on TMA Extra Dose here on Slam Radio Sirius XM 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. The Lakers are the world champions. Now, it was expected that the Lakers would probably be world champions at some point, especially when the NBA got restarted inside the bubble in orlando we all know what transpired march 11th was the last day of the season for the nba at that point and we did not know when the nba was going to resume during that stretch the lakers went on a, an incredible run as they defeated the milwaukee bucks who at that time had the number one seed in the east and the la clippers who were the number two seed trailing the los angeles lakers by five and a half games on back-to-back weekend they played the Milwaukee Bucks on a Friday, beat them with Giannis, went on Sunday less than 48 hours and faced Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the L.A. Clippers and defeated them before losing to the Brooklyn Nets that Tuesday to later on find out the following Wednesday that the season would be halted due to COVID-19. Months and months went by. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if the season was going to be restarted or if the season was going to be completely canceled. Hats off, first of all, to Adam Silver and the entire NBA staff, the entire Disney staff uh, for for doing an outstanding job uh, for keeping the players healthy and safe. You know, America could learn a lot from the NBA and Adam Silver and the Board of Governors, because if you can keep guys who play a physical sport and are really close in proximity with each other, like the NBA, then there's hope for America if you have the right people in positions of power that want to listen. 
because they had little, they had little to no coronavirus outbreaks like we've been seeing in Major League Baseball, like we're seeing in the NFL right now. None. They kept everybody safe. They kept everybody in the bubble. Those who left the bubble, they had to adhere to certain protocols and they were able to enter the protocol. We, we uh, heard from Anthony Davis on Sunday night how his dad had to sit there through a 30 day quarantine just to have the opportunity once the NBA allowed the families of the players to enter the bubble to go through that process. A 30 day bubble, a 30 day quarantine, rather, to get into the bubble. So to me, hats off to the NBA, hats off to the medical staffs for making sure that these players remain healthy and they were and they, they were free of the coronavirus and any outbreaks inside the bubble. Um, and it's to me, this was probably arguably one of the hardest championships any team had to over had to, to accomplish and, and get over. Because whether it was the Lakers, whether it was the Heat, if the the, the Milwaukee Bucks had survived and became a champion or the Clippers or whoever it would be, it was going to be a very hard fought championship. And I don't believe an asterisk is, in, is, is invited to this because to me, there's nothing that you could take away from this championship. This was a mental grind. When we talked to a lot of players throughout this bubble from the time they got from the eight game play in to getting into the, the playoff picture, every player, the one word that every player used was the word grind. It was a mental grind, a physical grind. And you saw that. You saw that in the playoffs. You saw that in the NBA finals when the Lakers finally met up with the Heat. You saw in the last few games of the finals, you saw what happened with, with the Lakers and, and, and LeBron and AD and Jimmy Butler and, and what happened with Bam Adebayo who had missed a couple of games, Goran Jogic who missed a couple of games due to injury. It was a grind. It's, 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 it's very, very taxing, and you saw that. We saw that in game five when Jimmy Butler wheeled his team to victory after playing 47 minutes and having another triple-double in that series. And if you look at game six, I believe, and I, and I said this before, it wouldn't surprise me if the Lakers finally buckled down and blew out the Miami Heat. And at one point in game six, the Lakers led by as much as 36 points. The Miami Heat looked flat. They looked out of shape. And I know they weren't, but they had exhausted so much of their energy in game five, and they were spent. It's just that simple. They ran out of gas. The Miami Heat ran out of gas. The Lakers were in cruise control from midway in the second quarter all the way to the end of the game. That was pretty much their game to lose. And, and the Los Angeles Lakers, they buckled down. They played their game. AD looked strong. LeBron James, Rajon Rondo. Hell, Lionel Richie Jr. Jr., better known as Danny Green, even knocked down some, some, some nice three-pointers. Because, good Lord, he was being crucified after game five. And trust me, I gave, I'm one of the ones that gave him the criticism. But it did not warrant death threats. And that's the thing that bothered me the most, is when Danny Green pregame had a, a press conference with those of us in the media. And he said, you know what? Myself and my fiance received death threats. That to me is the most cowardly thing that you can do. First of all, you got to be the biggest punk, the biggest coward in the world to sit up there and to threaten a basketball player over a game. It is just a game. Yeah, he, he played sorry. Yeah, he's been hella inconsistent. So has Kyle Kuzma. But it doesn't warrant death threats. 
Are you kidding me? Do you people have nothing else better to do? Was your video game system broken? You have nothing else better to do than threaten somebody and be a punk and hide behind a computer? That to me was uncalled for. I don't care what you think about Danny Green. It does not warrant death threats. It does not warrant death threats at all. So I'm glad he didn't allow, allow that to alarm him to a point where he couldn't even play in a game. So I'm glad he didn't that didn't alarm him. I hope the people that did threaten his life and his fiance his life, they get found. And I hope they are prosecuted to the fullest extent. Because that's uncalled for. But nonetheless, there was a game to be played. And to me, LeBron James was named the NBA Finals MVP, which I didn't really have a problem with. I thought it, I thought it would have been Anthony Davis because I thought Anthony Davis was absolutely stellar in his entire playoff run. Uh, I thought he was stellar in, in, from the time they, they began the playoffs to the NBA Finals, especially in that Denver series. I believe it was game three when he had that 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 Mamba mentality that Kobe in his veins when he knocked down that key three pointer that got that that got the Lakers a victory in that series and when they went up two games to one. I thought that was crucial. Uh, I thought his his play in the first two games was very crucial. Uh, I know he kind of slacked off uh, in game in game four, uh, but to me, uh, I'm not mad at, at LeBron winning the, the 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 most valuable player award. I think he put up numbers. I mean, he finished with a triple-double once again. I think he was absolutely sensational. But he couldn't have done it without Anthony Davis. And I wouldn't have been mad if they would have had a co-MVP and said, hey, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the MVP, the finals MVPs. I wouldn't have been mad at that either. It would have made a little bit more sense, possibly. But LeBron finished with 28, 14, and 10. Played 41 minutes, shot 13 for 20 from the field. Definitely deserved it. Definitely deserved it. And fourth ring. And to me, here's the thing about LeBron James. Say what you want, and I know a lot of people hated on him. I know a lot of Lakers fans hated on him before he came to the Lakers, and they were still they still hated on LeBron uh, when he became a Laker last year because the Lakers underachieved. But you happy LeBron's on the team now, aren't you, Laker Nation? You happy he's on the team now? And listen, LeBron, it takes two years for LeBron to get rings when he comes to a new team. Now, we know about the seven years he spent with the Cavaliers. And yes, he went to the, he had made a trip to the NBA Finals against the, the San Antonio Spurs where he got swept. But he was young. The team was, was inexperienced. The team was young. But I tell you this much. I think he learned a great deal from that which is why he bailed Cleveland and went down to Miami. In the first year he went to Miami, yeah, they got to the finals, but they lost because they faced a better team that had better chemistry. But that second year, the third year, they were back-to-back champions. He went back to Cleveland. First year, no. Second year, he won in Cleveland. Beat the Golden State Warriors, thanks to a key shot by Kyrie Irving. Same thing with the Lakers. First year, didn't do squat, didn't even make the playoffs. Second year, here we are, here we are right now. 17-time champions as a Lakers organization, four-time champion for LeBron. So this is what he does. But he orchestrated that entire team. 
And I give Rob Palenka a lot of credit because he had to go through a Rob had to go through a lot. I mean, you had to go through a lot dealing with dealing with working with magic. Then they had friction. Then magic suddenly departed. So now everything is on him. He still had to get Anthony Davis trade done. He had to get other guys signed. Wondering if Kawhi was going to sign with the Lakers or not. Waiting on Kawhi. He, they were missing out on other key players that they were, they were looking at to sign. It was a lot of pressure on Rob Palenka. He had to deliver. Not only that, LeBron orchestrated this team. LeBron wanted Quinn Cook. LeBron wanted Anthony Davis. He got KCP a deal, right? Because he's with Clutch. Brought on other guys, got other guys involved, Rondo. So this was LeBron's team. So LeBron had a lot of pressure on him to, to make do on his promise to bring the Lakers back to fruition as far as championship aspirations. So let's take a listen to the MVP and what he had to say regarding his naysayers and his critics. Jeannie, I told Jeannie when I came here that uh, I was going to put this franchise back in a position where it belongs. Um, her late great father did it for so many years, and she just you know, took it on after that. And for me to be a part of such a historical franchise, is, uh, it's an unbelievable feeling not only for myself, but for my teammates, for the organization, for the coaches, for the trainers, everybody that's here. Um, we just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants their respect. Laker Nation wants their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. All right, so you heard from LeBron James. Give him his damn respect. And everybody should give him his respect. Because he went through a lot to make sure that this bubble and make sure that his team was highly involved in making sure they won a championship and brought it, the championship back to Los Angeles, where it belongs, by the way. Now, what was interesting is that the Lakers also went through so much because we all lost the late, great Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter, Gianna, and, and seven other passengers in that tragic helicopter crash back on January 26th. Uh, which which the NBA allowed the, the the Lakers to have a grieving period for that week um, of his untimely passing, and so this 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 championship was dedicated to Kobe Bryant. This championship had Kobe Bryant's fingerprints all over it, and one person in particular. Not only did it affect LeBron and the rest of the organization, obviously Rob Palenka, who's the goddaughter, excuse me, god the godfather of, of his daughters. And Jeannie Buss, who was also extremely close with LeBron, excuse me, with Kobe Bryant. But Anthony Davis, who Kobe Bryant took under his wing back in the Olympic days, had a really close connection with Kobe Bryant. Let's hear what Anthony Davis had to say and what this championship meant to him and meant to the late, great Kobe Bryant. You know, ever since the tragi tragedy, you know, all we wanted to do was is do it for him. And we didn't let him down. Um, it would have been great to do it in you know, the last game in his jerseys, but you know it made us come out even more aggressive, even more powerful on both ends of the floor to make sure we close it out tonight. And I know he's looking down on us, proud of us. Um, I know you know Vanessa's proud of us, the organization's proud of us. Um, you know it, it means a lot to us. And, you know, it's a tough moment, man. <laughs> See, you like that. He was a, he was a, I like that. that. I like that. He liked that. He liked that. He liked that. He was a, uh, he was a big brother to all of us, and 
we we did this for him. All right. So again, this call it it, it, it would have been great for them to win in the black Mamba jerseys, but you know what? Sometimes stuff happens. Don't necessarily work out the way you intended for it to work out, but they got the job done. They won in six games, which I predicted the Lakers would win in six because I saw the type of team that this Miami Heat team uh, had had been assembled. And listen, Jimmy Butler is no slouch. Props to the Miami Heat. I know we saw Eric Spolstra, you know, weeping and crying because he was overcome with emotion because that was a tough loss and a tough pill to swallow. But Jimmy Butler, uh, Bam Adebato, uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, a lot of those guys will be back. And I've all, and I, like I told you guys on this program before, the Miami Heat are one superstar player away from winning a chip. And don't be surprised in the next year or two, you see the Miami Heat back in the NBA Finals at some point. Because I think they're ultimately talented. I think they're, they're an outstanding organization the way that they're structured. I think Eric Spolster is a hell of a coach. Uh, you know, he outcoached Frank Vogel in a couple of these in these Finals games. Uh, mainly game five. You know, he outcoached Frank Vogel wholeheartedly. So when I look at, you know, this Laker team and this Laker franchise, listen, man, the sky's the limit. But when I look at LeBron James and his legacy, to win three different championships with three different franchises speaks volumes. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say he's the GOAT. But is, is, is he a GOAT in his own right? Absolutely. No different than Kobe Bryant. I believe Kobe Bryant is a, was a GOAT in his own right. Michael Jordan, a GOAT in his own right. Because to say that somebody's the greatest of all time, that's a, that's, that's a lot to, to, to accumulate over the course of several decades of, of, of the NBA being around. But I think they're GOATs in their own right. But LeBron James is a special player. LeBron James is the one of the most gifted athletes in American sports. Yes, I said it. LeBron James willed his team to victory and willed a lot of teams to victory. Played with less and got more. Minus the trips to Miami. When you look at that Cleveland team, when you look at this Lakers team, even with Anthony Davis, outside of Anthony Davis and Rajon Rondo, there weren't a lot of guys that really stepped up. I mean, props to Dwight Howard for making good on his promise. And I'm glad Dwight Howard finally got, got his ring because he definitely was a major contributing factor to the Lakers being successful as well. So I don't want to leave that out. But LeBron James is a, is a special player. And he couldn't do it by himself. We noticed that in the year one. That's why he had to get rid of all the, the younger players and trade them away to get Anthony Davis out of here because he knew he could play and mold with a guy like Anthony Davis, who has a very special and talented skill set. But all the great ones need help. Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen. Kobe Bryant and Shaq needed each other. And later on, Kobe needed Pal Gasol. No different than LeBron James needing Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh to be successful in Miami. And then later on, needing a guy like Kyrie Irving. And then now with the Lakers, he needed Anthony Davis. Doesn't take anything away from his legacy. If anything, it enhances it. Do I think that LeBron is going to win another championship? Probably not. But a lot of Laker fans and a lot of, a lot of naysayers said that LeBron would never win a championship in Los Angeles. And I thought they were absolutely crazy. Yes, he was coming here to ultimately retire and build his media empire, but he was coming to win a championship.
and he knew L.A. would be the best place. I told many people, and they can attest to it. I said it a year and a half before LeBron decided to make his move to L.A. I said when he was still in Cleveland, I said LeBron's going to be a Laker. When he becomes a free agent, he's going to be a Laker. People doubted me, thought I was crazy, and I said he's going to win a ring in L.A. At some point before his four years are up, he's going to win a ring in Los Angeles. And I told y'all that. Now, what do you have to say now? So, again, I'm saying he's not going to win another ring. I could be wrong. But here's what he had to say on what, what, what propelled him to get to this point and make sure that he got a ring to the City of Angels. I think, personally, thinking I had something to prove fuels me. And it fueled me um, over these last um, year and a half since my injury. It fueled me because um, no matter what I've done in my career up to this point, there's still a little rumblings of doubt or, you know, compare me to, you know, the history of the game. And um, has he done this? Has he done that? You know, so um, having that in my head, having that in my mind, saying to myself, why not still have something to prove? I think it fuels me. All right, y'all. So there you have it. He wants his respect. Now, maybe, maybe some of you all out there would give LeBron James his props and his respect. Because the man is doing it at a high level and playing 17 years in the league. He won't turn, he'll turn 36 later on in the year. That says a lot. For a dude of his stature and his size, and he's been playing NBA basketball since he was 17. It's a long time to be playing ball at a high level. And you could throw out the first seven years. I'm going from 2010 to where we are right now. He's played ball for 10 years and been a champion, a multiple, a multiple champion. Speaks volumes, man. It really does. So we'll see what happens in the offseason. Coming up on the other side of the break. We'll talk about what happens with Anthony Davis now that he be, he'll become a free agent. Will he stay in Los Angeles? Will he move on to greener pastures? Or what he think may be greener pastures in another city for another team? Will he be the primary superstar? Does he still want to remain the number two guy in Los Angeles until LeBron's retirement? We'll get into that and more. Make sure you stay tuned. You're checking out TMA Extra Dose here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, 
and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Sam Radio has brought so much positivity into my life that allows so many young people to have a voice. I'm very thankful for this opportunity at Slam Radio. Not a lot of people get to say that they worked on the first radio station run inside a high school. I've learned so much from Frank the Tank. I've learned so much from Danny, from The Amigo. I've learned so much from them, and I thank them so much, and it means a lot to me. Slam Radio is a community. It just gives you opportunity. They give you opportunities that not many schools have. The people here are just great. Someone always has your back no matter what. It is definitely a place to leave your egos and your insecurities behind and just be yourself and all become one. I'm so thankful for everybody here at Slam Radio, and I'm thankful for this wonderful opportunity that I've been given to jumpstart my career. You are listening to Slam Radio on Sirius XM 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hi, welcome back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio Sirius XM 145. And uh, yeah, Anthony Davis. Now, Anthony Davis uh, was an instrumental part, as I said in the last segment, about the Los Angeles Lakers winning their 17th NBA championship. First ever championship for Anthony Davis, and I'm sure there's going to be more to follow that. But the part that was interesting to me, obviously, we all know that Anthony Davis is a a premier top-tier talent. Is he a number one guy? Has yet to, to be seen. But at the same time, you know he's a strong and solid number two. But we also know that he'll be a free agent this coming season or offseason, if you want to call it that. And so he told uh, USA Today's Mark Medina, when he was asked about the, the status of his free agency, he said, quote, I have no idea. I have a great time in L.A. this year. It's been nothing but joy and amazement. Over the next couple of months, we'll figure it out. I'm not 100% sure, end quote. So Laker Nation, of course, is going to be nervous because when they hear that I'm not 100% sure, first question is, what are you not sure about? You just won a championship. You're going to have LeBron James next season, arguably the best player in the game. Yes, the West is going to be tougher because there's a bullseye on your back because you are the champion. So you, you live in L.A., second largest market. The weather, the women, I mean, we can go on. What are you not sure about? And if you're Anthony Davis, that's the smartest comment that you can make. And I say that because when you're Anthony Davis and you have all these other teams coming at you, you're going to want to take the meetings. Not to say that you're going to sign on the dotted line, but it's always great to feel wanted. Fellas, have you ever been to a party and you had three or four different women come at you and want you at the same time? How do you feel? Ladies, I can flip the script. You got a bunch of guys and you looking right and you smelling good, looking good, feeling good. And you got a bunch of guys coming at you versus only one. How do you feel? So I say that to say, understand what Anthony Davis is feeling as far as being courted throughout this entire free agency process, especially during COVID. 
So if you're Anthony Davis, why wouldn't you resign with the Lakers? And I do think that he will resign with the Lakers at some point. It's just a matter of a time and what the numbers are going to look like. Will he go for the max deal? And what is the salary cap going to look like next season, especially with everything going on with COVID? Will it go up a significant amount? Will it go up a little bit? Will, will it be enough for Anthony Davis to sign long term? Because ultimately, it's going to be his team. So we'll find that out. We'll see. Speaking of long-term deals, Dak Prescott, man, uh, anybody that saw that that very graphic video, uh, I believe it was in the third quarter where the Cowboys were leading 24-23, about the six-and-a-half-minute mark, uh, you know, Dak likes to take off. Dak took off running, trying to get the first down, keeping the chains moving. He was brought down by the New York Giants defender, and – his foot went one way, his leg went the other way. We later found out that the bone went through the skin uh, that put him out of commission, at least for the next four to six months. Now, he did have successful surgery on Sunday night in Dallas. Um, so everything came back good with the surgery, which is a, which is a great thing. Uh, but you hate to see a guy, any guy like any that plays any sport to be to hurt himself in a way that Dak hurt himself with that foot injury. And even though he's playing currently on a franchise tag, the problem with that is this is why I said before on other programs, uh, excluding this one was the fact that this is why you take a long-term deal because you don't know what could potentially happen to you in the future. Maybe nothing if you're fortunate, but something like this, can determine your your financial status moving forward. And we all know Dak Prescott turned down a deal that, 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 that and couldn't come to, I would say, terms that they were able to negotiate and agree upon. So he took the franchise tag, which paid him about $31 million. Now, he can actually, if the, if the since he's going to be out about four to six months, we all know if you talk to any athlete that comes from a significant injury, whether it's an Achilles injury, whether it's a shoulder injury, torn rotator cup, it always takes at least a good season and a half to really get acclimated, not just physically, but mentally to be back in the, in the, in the area that you would normally feel comfortable being back in. And so Dak is going to go through some extensive physical therapy, but not just from a physical standpoint, but mentally. Will he be able to, will he be, when will he feel comfortable to push off that foot again? When will he be comfortable to run on that foot again when you got 300-pound linemen coming at you at the speed of light? That's going to be the key. And I'm saying I agree with a lot of the fans that I think Jerry Jones, and which we're all concerned about that Jerry Jones will try to lowball Dak Prescott now on a long-term deal because of this particular injury. Because think about it. If he tried to lowball him on the guaranteed money before him and Stephen Jones, what do you think he's going to do now? You think he's going to up the ante and he's going to feel sorry for Dak Prescott? No, he's not that kind of owner. He's just not. So when you look at what he has to do and what Dak needs to do, it wouldn't surprise me if either this is the last time you see Dak in a Cowboys uniform or he'll be franchise tagged again, which can probably bring you to about, what, $38 million? for another year and then you go try to find another deal somewhere else 
So if you're Dak Prescott, why, you know, you have to look out for your own future. You can't depend on the Dallas Cowboys to look out for you. Now, one thing I will say is that, first of all, if I didn't say this earlier, my thoughts and prayers and positive energy out to Dak Prescott. And I hope he definitely comes back even stronger. Uh, he's a good dude. He's a good quarterback. And even when I saw him get drafted in the fourth round out of Mississippi State, I knew the Dallas Cowboys uh, got a steal when they got him at quarterback to replace Tony Romo ultimately. And so, listen, Dak, Dak Prescott, if, if any other team is looking at Dak Prescott, which I'm sure they are, if you want a face of your franchise, Dak Prescott is a, is a great face for your franchise. The guy does not rock the boat. He doesn't say anything controversial too much, and he doesn't get into, get into any off-the-field trouble. And that's key, especially nowadays, especially for people that want to be faces of franchises in the NFL. So if the Cowboys don't end up re-signing him and he goes to another team, that other team is definitely going to pay him, I'm sure, his worth, if not more. So if you look at what Dak is bringing to the table, I mean, he brings a lot. This is the same guy that he's the first NFL quarterback to throw for 450 yards in three straight games, even though the Cowboys were one and three at the time. They end up with Kellen Moore uh, – they ended up winning the game against the Giants on a field goal. And I know that was for Dak. But where does the Cowboys offense go now? The Cowboys offense now has to go through Ezekiel Elliott. Because that's their only option. And I don't see the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East without Dak Prescott. At least you had a hell of a chance of winning the East if you have Prescott under center. But now that you don't have him and you got to run the offense through Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm not knocking Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's a phenomenal running back. But you need this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you don't have a top-notch quarterback to go along with the other pieces that you have in CeeDee Lamb and uh, Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, it's not going to work. You're lucky if you tread 8-8. and You tread 500 to end the season. And hopefully that comes back. That's just pretty much how it has to go. But again, you know, we'll see. Tough times in Dallas. And I would not, again, I would not be surprised if the Dallas Cowboys and, and Dak Prescott are no longer in the same room. I would be I would be I would be more surprised to see where he ends up if you're Dak Prescott, because I can't think of too many places that they need a quarterback of his stature. Well, let's see. Mm, I don't think he goes to anybody in the NFC East, so it would have to be somebody maybe in the AFC. But I I don't foresee him going to anybody in NFC East, but like I said, I would not be surprised if he doesn't stay in Dallas, you know, for a few more years. But time will reveal. Also, another sad note, Hall of Fame baseball player and former ESPN Sunday night baseball commentator Joe Morgan has passed away at the age of 77. Joe Morgan was a five-time Golden Glove winner, two-time World Series champ. He was part of the Big Red Machine with Johnny Bench and those guys. Uh, two-time NL MVP, a 10-time All-Star. He played 22 seasons in Major League Baseball and arguably one of the greatest second basemen to ever play the game. 
Joe Morgan was not only influential on the field, but he was definitely influential off the field as he used to mentor and coach a lot of young black kids in the area of baseball and life skills as well uh, in, in parts of Ohio and wherever he would go. Uh, Joe Morgan, they, as they say, was one of the nicest guys you ever want to talk to. I remember I had an opportunity to see him. I was at the Harold Punk Awards in Los Angeles uh, several years back, and he had graced the red carpet. He was always one of the nicest guys you ever want to talk to, loved talking baseball, still had one of the sharpest baseball minds in the business, even though he had been away from the game as far as playing it for so long, knew who the, all, the, all the young stars were and the up-and-coming stars were. Um told some really great stories. Um, he was just an all-around class personified guy. Um, so he would definitely be missed. Joe Morgan at the age of 77. And we'll be right back. This is SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes stop. a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like, well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to... Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to... It seems like you have to write... Forward. It sounds like two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Sam Radio has brought so much positivity into my life that allows so many young people to have a voice. I'm very thankful for this opportunity at Slam Radio. Not a lot of people get to say that they worked on the first radio station run inside a high school. I've learned so much from Frank the Tank. I've learned so much from Danny's, from The Amigo. I've learned so much from them and I thank them so much and 
it means a lot to me. Slam Radio is a community. It just gives you opportunity. They give you opportunities that not many schools have. The people here are just great. Someone always has your back no matter what. It is definitely a place to leave your egos and your insecurities behind and just be yourself and all become one. I'm so thankful for everybody here at Slam Radio and I'm thankful for this wonderful opportunity that I've been given to jumpstart my career. You are listening to Slam Radio on Sirius XM 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go! This is Tua Tungle Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Sirius XM, yeah! All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145 and final segment of the show. Definitely want to get into the NLCS. It finally kicked off on Monday night, the Dodgers against the Atlanta Braves. Now, both teams were undefeated in the playoffs, so one team had to win. Obviously, one had to fall. And unfortunately, it came at the hands of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who lost to the Atlanta Braves 5-1. to one. Uh Game one, what can I say? Walker Bueller, 100 pitches, was the starter for game one. He had success in game one in the NLDS. So you would think that he would have success in the NLCS in game one, especially with the rotation being as set as it is. But unfortunately, he gave up a crucial home run in the first inning against to uh, Freddie Freeman, I should say. Uh, Dodgers battled back. They played some great defense in the, in the innings following up until the fifth inning when Kike Hernandez Knocked out a solo jack to left, would tie the game up at one all. Uh, but the top of the ninth, Atlanta Braves opened up a fresh can of whoop ass uh, offensively. And Blake Training, who ended up getting a loss in the game, uh, gave up a home run to Austin Riley. Then later on, gave up a uh, RBI single to Marcel Zuna, which scored Ronald Acuna. Uh, and then Ozzy Al- Albies uh, had a two run blast off of the reliever McGee, uh, which made it five to one. Uh, Walker Bueller finished with five innings, three hits, seven strikeouts, and one hit. Like I said, Blake Training got the loss in the game. And you know what? The Dodgers looked like they were flat. They didn't come out with the intensity that I thought they would come out with in the uh, for the first game. We kind of set the tone like we saw in the series against the Padres. And what's interesting is that a lot of people thought that this, this series was going to be a pushover uh, because the Dodgers have been so dominant uh in the regular season as well as in the uh series against the uh, san diego padres but listen the dodgers actually deserve to lose this one i mean they played they they, they played with fire all night they were tempting the, the the baseball gods and the braves finally made them pay in the ninth inning and that's exactly what they did i mean ato is a good team they're a solid team and i think they're almost the dodgers and the braves are almost evenly matched uh, when it comes to this series, even though a lot of people picked um, the Dodgers to win in six or seven games, I think the Dodgers, I think this series is going to definitely go seven games. Uh, I still have the Dodgers winning this series. I still have the Dodgers going on to the World Series. But unless they start having some type of offensive juggernaut, whether it's Mookie Betts, whether it's Kobe Bellinger, whether whoever wants to step up, uh, whether it's Corey Seager, somebody's going to have to start stepping up offensively and set the tone early in this in this game for game two game two uh we'll get into that momentarily but i wanted to 
let you guys listen to Walker Bueller uh, as he talked about giving up that crucial home run, uh, which pretty much set it off for the Atlanta Braves in the first inning against Freddie Freeman. Uh, poor execution on, you know, for me, but obviously he's a, he's a pretty talented guy. He's done it in this league a long time. So, uh, you know, can't make, can't make mistakes like that in, in games like this. Yeah. So that's Walker Bueller. Um, what can you say? I mean, I, again, they go back at it tonight uh, at 5 or 8 PM Pacific time. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to take the mound and uh, we'll see if Clayton Kershaw has better success in game two and hopefully get the Dodgers evened up in this series uh, against the Atlanta Braves because the Atlanta Braves are not going anywhere. They are here. They made their, they made their presence known. And again, they're going to be playing and clicking on all cylinders. So it's up to the Dodgers to play not only some great defense, but play some immaculate offense when it comes to hitting the ball, when they have got maybe get guys on base and be able to score uh, with guys in running in, in running position, uh, or scoring position, I should say, excuse me, uh, when it comes to that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be very interesting uh, in this series. This series is going to be intense. I can't wait. Seven days of baseball. No breaks, no days off. So I can't wait. Now, before I go, I want to give everybody my three cents. That's right. This is the segment where I talk about sports, politics, pop culture, whatever's trending, whatever's popping in the world. That's what I'm going to talk about and use this microphone for. So I want to talk a little bit about the Atlanta Falcons. We know how abysmal the Atlanta Falcons have been uh, this NFL season haven't won a damn game. They are the Krispy Kreme Award winners. They are Donut and Five. Finally fired uh, their head coach earlier in the week. Or actually Monday, I should say. God, it feels like it's already late in the week. <laughs> On Monday. And to me, I think it was the right move. They should have fired this guy two games ago. I think the players tuned him out. And so uh, the Atlanta Braves, excuse me, the Atlanta Falcons, ended up hiring Raheem Morris. Now, if you remember Raheem Morris, uh, Raheem Morris was the former one-time head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before he was ultimately let go. And the thing that strikes me is this. We have an issue in the NFL with teams getting around the Rooney Rule, which is supposed to be able to interview Black and other minority candidates to have an opportunity to coach in this league. And when you have organizations that get around it, or you have organizations that want to sit there and tiptoe around an issue that's staring them straight in the face, which means the lack of black coaches in the National Football League today. And you want to put all this pressure on coaches or you give the black coaches the worst conditions, the worst teams and expect them to perform a miracle. You expect them to walk on water and crap ice cream. But then when they do get the team and guide the shit back to a certain direction, they run out of time and you don't give them the opportunity to continue to build on that, unlike their Caucasian counterparts. And to me, something that Arthur Blank said that was really disturbing, and he actually said this quote. Now, I couldn't believe it. There were several other people that could not believe it. But when they hired Raheem Morris as the interim head football coach for the Atlanta Falcons, you would think Arthur Blank would say, hey, we're going to give this guy an opportunity like anybody else. You know, he's going to be in the, in the running since we know him, since he's been a, he's had head coaching experience before. We're going to give him the, the best opportunity we can and, and make sure to see that he qualifies to be in the running 
for the permanent head coaching position, you would think he would say something like that. Even Rich McKay, who's the general manager, you would think they would say something like that, especially in 2020, with everything that's going on in our country, with social injustice, with racism, bigotry, and how the NFL wound this big old campaign and this elongated speech and these elongated commercials about ending racism and painting them all on the end zone and talking about how they want to go against systemic racism and oppression and all this other stuff. But here you go right back to what you said you didn't want to do. Because to me, this is not only a racist ideology, but it's totally unfair. Because how can you put this type of pressure on an interim head coach who has never met the players, hasn't has to have time to develop a relationship with these players, but yet you tell him this particular quote. Let me read the quote from Arthur Blank. Because he really did say this. Arthur Blank said, quote, if Raheem ends up 11-0, he's going to certainly be a candidate. That's what his aspiration is. When we were chatting, I, I said often my experiences with interim head coaches have been no more than three games. It was one when Dan Reeves left early. Then, as Rich mentioned, when Bobby Petrino left. So it's only a matter of three games. I think it's unusual with 11 games to go. So I think it is Raheem's, it is to Raheem's advantage. I know his aspirations are long-term to be a head coach again. He's learned a lot since the Tampa Bay days. He's learned, he's learned a lot with us, and I'm sure he's more mature and more polished and more finished, and I know aspirationally and technically. I think with 11 games, it's his chance to show his own capabilities, and I think he is looking forward to that, whether it be with us or somebody else in the future, end quote. First of all, you said that this man has to go 11-0 just to be a candidate. Everybody knows what the definition of candidate is. That means you have a possibility, not guaranteed. So, again, with black coaches, they're expected to do to perform perfectly under the worst circumstances and the worst conditions. And if they don't perform perfectly up to the highest standard that you can give, they're let go and they're ultimately cut. Versus when you have white coaches who come in here, who constantly continue to be recycled, who constantly come in to given numerous opportunities upon numerous opportunities. And if they don't get head coaching opportunities, they get demoted down to coordinators. So they get opportunities to get to become coordinators. So this is a huge problem. And when you have ownership talking like this, that sends a message not only to, to Raheem Morris, but it sends messages to future black coaches. And it's, and, it's, and it's an echo around the ownership circles to say, oh, well, this is the main way we're going to hire black, black football coaches. And this is atrocious. This is a shame. And if you're Arthur Blank and any other owner that feels this way, which you probably do, you should look, look at yourself in the mirror. But am I really surprised at this? Are you really surprised at this, America? You shouldn't be because this is the attitude and this is the thinking that a lot of these owners have against black coaches and other minority coaches. Think about it. How many black coaches are in the NFL right now? I'll wait. Can you, can you count how many black coaches are in the NFL right now? I'll wait. Three. Brian Flores, 
Anthony Lynn. And Mike Tomlin. Three. Now, Raheem Morris, I guess, will make four, but he's an interim coach, so I guess he will make four. This is terrible. And this is why nobody believes the NFL when they say certain things. This is like I said before, when the NFL wants to apologize for racism and want to help in systemic racism, but you couldn't even mention the man, Colin Kaepernick, who started a movement by taking a knee and being silent and protesting in a peaceful fashion. But you now want to support people to take a knee. But four years ago, you wouldn't do it. So now that you come out and it's okay and it's the popular thing to do now because you want to be on the right side of economics when it comes to black folks and people of color. But couldn't mention a man's name. When I see comments like this from ownership about black coaches and how they have to be perfect, but you don't require that of your of your Caucasian coaches, that's where the problem lies. Because they refuse ownership and people in upper echelons refuse to understand the struggle because they don't care. They feel like we as people are easily replaceable. Look how they treat players. Look how they treat coaches. Look how they treat people, the few black folks that are in upper management. They don't get the same raw deal as any. It's rare when you get a black person that gets a really a fair, equal shot in upper management. I can I can think of maybe one, and a couple names may escape me, but Ozzy Newsome. That's the main person that comes to mind. Outside of that, I don't see it. So even if Raheem Morris turns the Atlanta Falcons to an eight and eight team and they finish at five hundred, you mean to tell me that's still not good enough for him to hire his own coaching staff? for him to be able to settle in and develop a rapport with these players. And trust me, Raheem can do it because he's young enough to be able to still talk to the younger players. Even though he's older in age, but he's still young enough to be able to relate verbally to some of these younger players and even some of the veteran players as well. We The, the black coaches need ample amount of time to be able to develop their skill set, to develop their schemes, and to be able to showcase what they truly can do. And it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. But when it comes to black coaches, they're expected to sprint. When it comes to Caucasian coaches, they're 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 expected to have a couple of marathons. And then we'll reevaluate even after a couple of marathons. Look at Adam Gase for the New York Jets. He still hasn't been fired. Adam Gase is trash when it comes to a coach. That dude couldn't coach. That dude couldn't coach up a but a, a blind a blind mission there a blind mission. Okay. But yeah, Adam Gates still has a job. He failed in Miami, had one good season in Miami. The rest of the years he failed, and now you get he has a, he has a new coaching job with the New York Jets, and he's continuing to fail there. But yet he's still employed. His key card still works. So you tell me what's right and what's fair. Because I don't see it. And I don't see it getting any better. And I hope that black coaches are really starting to get the message and really start to stick together and continue to look out for one another. Because that's the only way you're going to get change is if you push hard enough. That's the only way you're going to get change.
and get opportunity for other black coaches who have, may have been coordinators on the collegiate level or coordinators in the NFL ranks to get head coaching, true head coaching opportunities. If not, it's going to get worse. In a couple of years, we'll have maybe one black head coach. And there are way more qualified black coaches out there. Hell, there are more qualified women out there that, that can be at least coordinators, if not more. And you're struggling to bring in women that are qualified and know the game. That's absurd in itself. So that's my three cents for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Until next week, take care, stay sharp. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton Extra Dose are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.